Welcome back to Let's Open the Bible, this Wednesday edition of Let's Open the Bibles. We have been talking about a sensitive topic this week, the topic of death. It's Russ and Gavin with you. Good morning again, Gavin. Good morning. The sun's out this morning. It's been bitter cold in the mornings. I'm not used to that. As, the, as I get older, the less I like the extreme cold or the extreme heat. So I'm always glad when the sun comes up a little bit and it gets a little warmer. But it was 22 this morning, and I was standing out on the front porch letting my dog do what my dog needed to do. And I wasn't thrilled about that, uh, but I don't know why I shared that with you. Just <laughs> trying to, you know, you're living vicariously through my There was nothing that was going to be accomplished in that little anecdote because, yeah, I like, I, I spent a lot of time growing up in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and, and so, like, you have cold, no compassion. Yeah, there was yeah. no compassion for the cold, and then I didn't really need to hear about your dog. So, no, I'm yeah. glad you shared with your, do- your dog story. That was, that was great. Well, it's just I, another I service I provide. Enriched. enriched. Yeah. Truly, it's my it's my mission in life. Yeah, and we grew all, all the dogs that that we grew up with had free reign of the farm, so that we didn't have to watch them. Well, do. the peasants here in in Davidson County that 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 I am uh, do not have the free range of the farm that you had in the uh, on the other side of the tracks there up north. So. Uh, <laughs> I was confined to standing on the front porch. I just want to know this. So especially in light of what we're going to discuss next, when those dogs would not show up for a few days, um, they were running freely at the farm, but it was a different farm. What farm were they talking about? We'll have that conversation later. Yeah, okay, because yeah, I'm thoroughly confused. Uh, you never had that? What happened to the dog? There was a conversation. I can vividly remember it where – what happened to the dog? And everybody knew that the dog had passed. It got hit by a car. But my younger sister, 10 years younger, you know, uh, was like, wait, what happened? She didn't get it. What happened uh-huh. to the dog? Uh-huh. And and my stepdad said, he said, oh, it's, uh, it went, it's running around the farm or something somewhere else. Like, yeah. what other farm was he talking about? I got you. <laughs> that happy farm. Ne- never had those conversations. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, so listener, if you're still with us, uh, find, if you will, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And so this morning I'm going to uh, pray and then ask Gavin to to read our passage today. Let's do that. Uh, Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your word that guides us in all truth, that uh, reveals to us who you are and uh, just uh, gives us your, your inspiration, Lord, your inspired word to, to live by, uh, to be able to uh, worship and praise you. And, and so, Father, uh, we, we're just humbled uh, that you would even look in our direction, let alone uh, provide us with a word in a language we can understand, that we can know something of you. And so, Lord, thank you. Guide our steps and, and our thoughts today as we discuss this important topic. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body, both soul and body in hell. So we're talking a little bit about uh, the fear of death today. And and part of what this came from was a conversation that you and I had, Gavin, where uh, I think I'd mentioned or or made the comment that I wasn't afraid to die and, and that I was a little confused by some believers that kind of fear death. I certainly understand absent a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you know, the uncertainty of death maybe. Uh, but, uh, uh you, you had, uh, you had a, a good response. I would say this, I, I know many, many, um, people fear death for exactly the reason that you're going to describe. 
And okay, I, and I think that's good. So I'm gonna I'm gonna back up. So uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer uh, was um, observed the first successful detonation of a nuclear weapon in New Mexico, uh, the Trinity test. And after that, his mind was provoked to go back to what we would not call authoritative, we would not call illustrative for the most part, but he quoted, um, he said, now I am become death. So, so he, he quoted the Bhagavad Gita, right? And he said, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. And death maybe world destroying time, like maybe a bad translation, but what, what he understood was this, that was powerful. Um, and, and, and it provoked him to have some very, maybe scary thoughts so much so that he said, you know, a scientist have, have seen sin. Like we understand that there, that we have been participating in this experiment and these tests and these, uh, this work that is bringing about death. Um, and that's powerful. Yeah. That's, that's scary. Now, interestingly enough in the Bhagavad Gita, one of the, the, the ideas that is being discussed there is how death is not a, a real reality, especially in light of possible reincarnation and all sorts of other things. Yeah, so, so that's the Hindu scripture, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the, the texts. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a 700 verse Hindu scripture uh, written in Sanskrit and it's, it's, uh, it's, but, but there's this interaction between a warrior, uh, and Vishnu incarnate as his charioteer. And what's, what's going on is Vishnu's convincing him, just do your job because you're not in charge of who dies. I as God, and we, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. This is not something we would believe in, but this is, this is what J. Robert Oppenheimer uh, experienced when he saw the power that he was working with. And, and he never got to the place where he freed himself of thinking that he was responsible for this. He actually understood that he, he bore some responsibility for these tests and, you know, but, but in the Bhagavad Gita, there's this idea of just do your job because you're not really in control of how this is used. And, and, and so, um, the, the warrior prince, uh, Arjuna was commanded to attack the enemy. And he realized that in the enemy ranks were some of his friends, people that he loved. And so he's having this crisis of conscience uh, and the charioteer, Lord Krishna, who is the incarnation of Vishnu in this case in the Bhagavad Gita, says, listen, just do your job. I'm in, responsible for who I, now I am become death. Like I'm the one that's responsible for those things. And then you go on to understand that in this light, death is not a reality. Well, for Christians, we see death and it should shake us. Sin brought this into the world. Like this is a loss of, of humanity. And to think about the effects of a nuclear bomb dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki should rock every last one of our worlds. We should not be able to um, look at the World Trade Center coming down and be callous towards it. Um, we should not be able to hold hands with someone that dies. In fact, it's really interesting. In John 11, Jesus was agitated. Jesus was bothered. Uh, it seems that he was bothered. Like death is not a natural thing. And he was bothered p- perhaps by the reaction of people. There are all sorts of ways of understanding Romans, or sorry, John 11. But I think that, that death should, should rock our worlds. 
All right? So, so let us absorb the fact that death is unnatural, that death is, is the loss of life, that we're diminished when people that we love have left. Um, there's the fear of the unknown. All right. So, so then we have to go, okay, so how does a Christian overcome that? You want to start, you want to start there? How does a Christian overcome the fear of death? Well, I I think the key is understanding the future and the hope that God has for us in Christ. Yeah. That that this world is not our home. We're sojourners, as Peter said, uh, or pilgrims passing through. Okay. So, and then, and then I'll maybe just touch on little, little Greek thinking, Epicurus and others, you know, believe that death could not be harmful because you went out of existence. So once you died, you didn't have to worry about anything. And as Christians, we also know that there's, you know, again, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So, so there is a continuation. God has set eternity in our hearts. And we know that, that uh, if we're covered in Christ, man, we enter in, in, into glory, into paradise. It, it should go well with us. And you said, that's a reality that should help, help comfort us. But for others, there's not non-existence, there's judgment. And so that's why in the passage we just read, it said, don't fear those who kill the body, but fear him, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Yeah, so the the word fear um, could be terror, but it could also be reverence. Yeah, I, 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 I think that there's a trembling shaking before God for, for all people in some sense. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it's... He is a he is not a ta- what what is a C.S. Lewis said about say about uh, I don't even remember what's the name of the lion Aslan yeah Aslan Aslan's so, on the move is what C.S. Lewis is famous to, uh, referring to God being it, on the move yeah but he says he is he is not he he is not a tamed lion he is good but he is not tame right like we don't control God God is not hopping through our hoops and you know bowing to our every whim. So I think um, we should feel him the strong tower, but we should also under and so that we can flee to him. But when we sin, there should there should be there should be some shaking. So yeah, without without doing an extensive research on this, uh, this particular passage, uh, Matthew chapter ten verse twenty eight, the word fear there is an imperative, so it is a command. But the word used phobeo is it, it does phobia. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's to be afraid. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, how, how do we overcome fearfulness? Let, let's um, let's start with with something that a pastor said of mine. So, so um, maybe turn to First Corinthians fifteen. Turn to first. If you're with us, turn to First Corinthians fifteen, and I'll start. I want to I want to back up and put a few things in place. I love this chapter. Okay, what <laughs> verse? Okay, uh, fifty. Um, yeah. So, final victory. Well, no, that's not where I'm going with this. So let me put a few things in place. I was very unaware coming into the ministry that part of my job is to prepare people certainly for life and living to the glory of God, but that we are very much, the Bible speaks often and intentionally about death. And we are to prepare our congregation for their death and the death of those around them. We are to have a a biblical, healthy, God-glorifying, hope-filled understanding of death. Okay, so it rocks your world when a pastor says, so I'm going to pretend that Russ is is ailing right now. And a pastor in the presence of this person said, 
I want Heavenly Father, I want to lift up Russ. I trust that you can heal him. Uh, we hold him up to you that he would come safely through surgery tomorrow. Uh, but we also know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just say our God can, he will, but even if he doesn't, that famous Chandlerism, Matt Chandler said that about his cancer. Yeah. Our God can, and, and he gets it from uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right. You know, our That's God right. can, he will, but even if he doesn't. Right. Well, you can't speak doubt into it. And by the way, that's foolishness. Right. Okay. You're not speaking doubt. You're acknowledging that God has, you know, he holds G- the authority uh, of our future. He has better. He has he has better ways of doing things than we do. We should ask. We should, with prayer and supplication, with much thanksgiving, we should make our requests be made known to God. We should be asking, and we can pray confidently that God, if we ask anything in accordance with God's will, He hears us, and we know that if He hears us, we have the request that we've made of Him. Right. So, so we know that 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 we can come confidently before the throne. But He has better plans. So, so Jesus. Jesus himself says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And and uh, that's a long conversation about the hypostatic union. And I'm uh, right. We won't get into that. Today. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. But this pastor prayed in front of the person, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. So first Corinthians 1550, I tell you this brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And it goes on and we can read it because death has been conquered. The grave has no victory. You know, it's lost its sting. We can go on to that. But John Flavel says this, that death, it may keep your heart from shrinking back to consider that death is necessary to fit you for the full enjoyment of God. Whether you are willing to die or not, there certainly is no other way to complete the happiness of your soul. Death must do you the kind office to remove this veil of flesh, this animal life which separates you from God before you can see and enjoy him fully. While we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And who would not be willing to die for the perfect enjoyment of God? I think one would look and sigh like a prisoner, like a prisoner through the grates of this mortality. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, most men need patience to die, but a saint who understands what death will introduce him to rather needs patience to live. Do you understand that? Like most men are like, okay, I'm not afraid to die. And but when we see the glory of God, when we when he becomes our treasure and our great reward, and this is me speaking, not John Flavel, but but we need patience to live. In two occasions, Paul says um, that he'd rather depart from the body and be present with the Lord. And then in, in uh, Philippians chapter one, he's torn between the two and he says to live as Christ, to die as gain and which shall I choose? I cannot tell you. One means fruitful ministry. Like he'll stay here. Listen, how, how long would you stay here for fruitful ministry to see loved ones come to know Jesus? 10,000 years of calling people to come to know Jesus. So, so I'd live 10,000 years of, of ministry. But what about going to see Jesus now and being in his presence and enjoying him? Well, I would die yesterday. So sometime between yesterday and 10,000 years, God will pick the perfect time for you to pass. That's right. Okay. So we need patience to live. On on his deathbed, this is Flavel again, on his deathbed, he should often look out and listen to his Lord's coming. And when he perceives his dissolution to be near, he should say, the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping over the mountain mountains, skipping over the hills. 
So like there's this, you know, I keep my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? That Psalm 121, uh, I think is where that is. Like Maranatha, I can't wait to be in his presence, but there's work to be done. Yes. Um, okay, so um, so death should no longer be a fearful thing. We have your Philippians 1, we have your 1 Corinthians 15, um, many other places uh, in scripture uh, that indicate that death uh, for the Christian has lost its sting. Um, but I, so then, I, then you have to ask if, if, and, and I would warn against this, if death becomes our hope, which I would warn against, I don't think that's the right way of wording it. I don't think that's the right way of yeah, thinking yeah, about it. Yeah, I don't, I agree with you. But what is the meaning of life? To glorify God. Okay. So you, I would always press back and say, okay, take me to chapter and verse. And because we've discussed them so much, I think we can turn there quickly and, and oh, we've got some time. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5 uh, with a finger on Philippians chapter 1. All right, so first of all, Jesus came that we would have life and we would have it abundantly. So the, the, the thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy John 10, 10, but Jesus came that we would have life and we would have life abundantly. So second Corinthians five, let's look at six and following. We've covered it a few times, but I want to read to a point. Second Corinthians five, six. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, here's the point. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So, this, when Paul experiences this tearing between uh, heaven and earth, you know, he has set his eyes on things above, not on things of earth. He cannot wait to be with God. He still says, listen, whether I live or I die, that's not the most important thing, the glory of God is the most important thing. I Amen. make it my aim to, aim to please him. While we are here, that's our hope. Our hope, we don't set our goal, our hope on dying. We don't set our hope on living. In fact, I believe that's exactly what Paul is speaking of in Romans 8 when he says, I don't even know what to pray for. Like, do I pray that I continue or do I pray that I go? And it's not explicitly stated in Romans 8. That's kind of my speculation. I just feel like Paul is saying, like, that. That's I don't know what to pray for, but that's not my purpose. My purpose is to glorify God, whether I live or I die. Let's turn to Philippians 1. Same idea, this tearing between the two. Philippians 1.20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. And this precedes the to live as Christ to die as gain. He says this, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So when he's in both passages where he's talking about the better of heaven over earth, he says, like, that's not my concern. I want Christ to be honored in my body. I want God to be glorified. I want to please him. I want to make much of him. I want it to look like life or death is not my goal. My telos is God himself and whatever that may mean. My, my purpose, my goal, my, my, my destination is, is, is God. Um, and then lastly, Ecclesiastes, and you can turn to Ecclesiastes 12, um, and, and I'll let you read it. Um, uh, yeah, for the sake of time, we'll just read uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 12, uh, 13, and 14. Yeah, the sum, 
uh, let us hear the okay. conclusion well, of the whole matter. Well, hold on, because I want to preface it by this. Uh, the uh, the Koaleth, the, the, the teacher, um, many believe it's Solomon, is, is indicating, listen, like, and, and I think that's a fair, fair uh, judgment on who wrote it. Solomon is working through, or, uh, or the teacher, is working through what is the purpose of life? Vanities, vanities, all those vanities, like chasing the wind. Like I've had these massive parties and they didn't satisfy. I've had wisdom like you can't imagine and it wasn't enough. It's just endless filling of my mind with books and it's all going to be gone. I've tried to amass wealth and I can't leave it to kids that will appreciate it. Like everything that he set his mind and his hand to do, he's done and he's done it better than all of us put together. And somewhere in there he says, listen, if you live long enough, you're going to realize this too. This Like what's the point of life? And then he realizes God's the point of life. So that's where we find it. But so, so vanities, vanities. You, you're, he, he's done all of these things. He's had pleasures. He's had wives. He's had parties. He's had wealth. He's had wisdom. He's had it all in, in, in much more abundance than you and I will ever have and put together. Okay? It's like chasing after the wind. It's chasing after the wind. Vanities, vanities. All is vanities. Chasing the wind, right? So then he says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Yeah. So it's the glory of God again. So, again, I think I've said this. I'm a reformed nihilist. Like, vanities, vanities. What's the point? There's no purpose, no point, no telos, no goal, no destination, no reward, no nothing. What's, you know, I work to live and live to work. That was it. That was the point of it. And I just thought, what's the point? It it really was vanities. I, I have lived the book of Ecclesiastes. And then I saw God in his goodness and his glory, and I had a purpose, and I had a treasure, I had a great reward, I had a reason for everything, um, and it, it changes you. And, and so again, I want to get uh, this idea that that's the fear of death, maybe we just should read that um, more specifically, and we'll wrap up. If you want to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and, and read the the just the, the last little bit of it, um, but while, while, he, while Russ is turning there, I'll say this. That the Christian should no longer fear death. Hebrews reminds us that Jesus has overcome uh, death and and should have that fear removed, right? So so Hebrews 2.14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You should not be subject to lifelong slavery because of the fear of death as a Christian. Christ has removed that, and, and Russ is going to make that more explicit in a second. Christ has removed that. The 1 Corinthians 15.26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus did it. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yeah. So um, in in verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to what Russ was saying. And I, and I would just say this. So the, the fear of death should be, should be eliminated. And, and I don't even use that language anymore. Well, I'm not afraid to die. I look, you know, one sweet day, but until then, until then, God has work. 
Uh, and that is that, you know, it is more necessary uh, on your account. So, so what Paul says in Philippians 1, God has something for me to do here. So we celebrate. Um, but I can recognize also there's, there's some fear of the unknown that needs to be conquered in, in maybe myself, but in many. Because, because last thing and one on this, I'm not sure that the Christian response to COVID was very, was very God glorifying. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, I think, all the time we have for today. Listener, if you will continue to open your Bible and uh, just pray and meditate on these things, we'll get back together tomorrow. God bless.